I'm Mary Angela Abeo, creator of the Faces of Fortitude movement, which is a safe space for faces of suicide and mental illness to share their stories and help each other heal. And this is Face to Faces, a conversation series featuring people from all walks of life, exploring the real human emotions we're all dealing with as the world around us rapidly evolves. I'm glad you're here with us. Let's lean in. All right, today I am so excited to welcome Gio and Shira of Hood Famous Cafe and Bake Shop. They've quickly become Seattle's most famous and highly sought after ube cheesecake makers, as well as other amazing items created and cooked by the talented and golden-hearted Shira, Chef Shira. Um, they're semifinalists for the 2020 James Beard Awards, but the most impressive and important thing they've done besides being incredible humans and parents is that they've joined the likes of Chef Melissa Miranda of Musang Seattle, Chef Christy Brown with That Brown Girl Cooks, Expat Supper Club, Sugar Hill, Gorilla Pizza Kitchen, and Feed the People to provide Seattle's community kitchen spearheaded by Musang. This group of incredible humans are providing free meals to anyone that need it, zero questions asked. They are on the front lines providing access, resources, and raising funds for relief for both the community and restaurants. I have known both these humans for over a decade, and I'm so happy to have them here. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having Thank us. You. Wow, what an intro. <laughs> I tried to do homework, but ooh, it was a lot. You, you've been busy, basically. No, but I'm is. so happy to have you here. But before we do anything, I like to do an emotional check-in because this is a weird time for any, you know, I, you know that I come from a restaurant family. So I've been, I've been checking in with my family, seeing how they're doing. And um, it's a stressful time. And so on this day today, right now, how are you mentally? How are things? How are you dealing? You know, I, to be real, it's different every day. It was, it was um, probably the most tough, like like right after dining rooms were closed, um, and trying to figure, excuse me, and trying to figure out how to pivot and and what does that look like for us as a business. Um, these days are just exhausting in different ways. Like um, you know, we've been out delivering, like literally doorstep to doorstep. Um, so that's been, you know, it's, it's tiring. I have a lot more uh, respect for, I think I've always had, but now that you've actually gone, I've actually gone through it. I'm just like, tip your delivery drivers a little extra. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what about you, Gio? Um, I'm following back on familiar coping mechanisms that I've, that have been kind of dormant for the last few years. Um, one of them being writing. Uh, I never stopped writing. Uh, definitely stopped recording and going through the the cycle of, of creating uh, and crafting uh, albums and whatnot. But uh, I don't know. I've, I've been. I, f I feel a strange kind of creative drive that I haven't felt in a long time. Um, it's not very productive, but it's there. It's like it's like an energy that I wake up in the morning. I'm like. Okay, I, I got a lot of stuff I need to do. Uh, let me power through that uh, so I can carve out that that hour or two at the end of my day. Uh, so in a way, it's kind of like I'm 20 all over again. <laughs> right. It is a weird energy. I think we're all having this kind of pent up energy that whether 
we want to help or we want to do something we want to create and it's kind of there. It's funny because Ra is writing again too and he, he hasn't for a long time and he's like, I don't know if it's good. I'm just doing it. It's just an, it's an exercise. Um, and yeah, are you doing any other self-care during this? Because I think especially, I think about my restaurant owner friends, w- restaurant workers on the front line, delivery, all of that. The restaurant business in general is exhausting. I can't imagine now when I asked my uncle how he was doing, he literally told me it's a living nightmare. <laughs> and I was like, okay. But I mean, it's like, how are you doing? How, I mean, sure. Are you taking baths? Are you like spending more time with your kids? Are you, you know, are you guys having a date, any date nights? Like, how are you taking care of yourselves? Chara takes nothing but baths. <laughs> I say, you know, I've been taking baths even before COVID, so they're just extra longer these days. Um, I, I find baths very relaxing. Um, so, yes, I've been taking baths. Um, you know, the idea of self-care is, um, like, it's there. But, you know, to be honest, it's been really hard. The, you know, during specifically during this time and then just this past year, like opening up a new spot. And so, you know, in the back of my head, it's it's almost like I know, like I know self-care is important. Mm-hmm. I talk about it. And I, when I talk to my friends, I'm like, what are you doing? Right. They ask me the same thing. But to be real, it's like when you're faced with survival mode and then you also on top of that, have the responsibility of like other people's livelihoods it's maybe it's just my personality like I just go into like fight or flight mode and I want to I was just gonna say that yeah and it makes me just work that much harder and sometimes most of the time to my own detriment and so um I think what this has done is you know it's I still have those very like I just, I still have those things I need to work on in terms of just slowing down, but it's really given me pause to be like, this is an opportunity to restart. You know, if you're thinking about like the silver lining and all this and um, figuring out when we reopen, like, what is that? How do I, you know, how do we want that to truly look like? Because the way that it's been this past year is unsustainable, the industry and what it, demands from you the low you know the low margins the everything it's like it just makes you really question mm-hmm. how you want to what kind of quality of life right you know like that I want moving forward so anyway my long yeah. bath that's what I think about <laughs> well and yeah that and maybe get yourself a good like CBD bath bomb oh oh um, they, I'm not even joking, life changer, <laughs> life changer, just letting you know. Um, but no, I do see that. And I, and I, I feel like this, uh, this slowdown, the world has just kind of come to this incredible slow motion down and it's made everybody slow down. However, restaurants have to stay open or they're trying. Mm-hmm. And so there's this kind of slow, but fast hustle that's happening. Yeah. And then on top of it, you know, you've got your big box restaurants, your corporate bastards who are, you know, applying for loans, getting this PPE, you know, stuff that they're not actually using to pay their employees and they're not, you know what I mean? So there's all of this on top of it and there's not any help for the small businesses. So how are you 
finding this process to be because I've heard nothing but, you know, we've got a lot of mutual friends in like Osiris and Golas and all of that. Um, and I've just heard nothing but heartache from people trying to find aid, trying to find help, trying to apply and getting turned away because of a, an I not being dotted or a T not being crossed. And it's like, how are you finding the same doors closed? You know, it, the the process for the PPP, like by and large for small businesses has been really, really challenging. And um, so we applied and the first round, you know, we they ran out of funds right away. So we got an email saying that funds are funds are gone. I'm sorry, we can't process your, you know, your loan. Um, one of the things that I thought about when we, when it first came out, um, we luckily have relationships with smaller, um, nonprofit lenders. And, you know, when we first opened our business, we weren't bankable. So we went and, you know, we reached out and like folks referred us to these, um, nonprofit lenders. So in our community, we've got craft three, we've got business impact Northwest, and they've been nothing but champions for us. And, and it, like at the end of the day, it's like about relationships, like anything. Right. And so, um, they've been amazing. And so when I heard about the PPP, you know, I was like, not going to go through a big bank because I just, I like in my gut, I felt like I'm just going to be one out of how many applying for this, you know? And so, and our nonprofit lenders were not yet approved or they weren't saying that they were applying. So it was this weird, like, oh gosh, am I missing out on something because I'm not jumping on it? But I waited and I waited to go with one of the, um, with business request. And, um, they, by the time we did submit our application, uh, funds ran out (laughs) by the time they found out that, you know, they, they could do, they could be a lender. Um, And so, but they had our application in queue. And so now with the second round, we're being processed. And so, you know, we'll see there's, it's, they've earmarked um, a certain amount to small, um, I think, nonprofit lenders. So I think there's a little bit of a higher chance, right, to get it. But um, But I mean, what, eight weeks later, nine weeks later, it's like, and and those, those nonprofit lenders, didn't even know they could be part like you had to do that work and it's crazy and it's fucked up that they weren't told that they you know what I mean like what's the purpose of it if the nonprofit like it's just so asinine because it's like of course Ruth Chris got it because of their relationship with Wells Fargo and like you know what I mean like of course but it's fucked up because that's not who it's for you know I think Ethan Stoll was on the news talking about he uh you know didn't know what to do with his he might pay some property taxes and he might make pay some utilities. And I was like, the fuck? What? Like, that's not, that's not what it's for. Pay your employees that you laid off. Like, bananas. But it's not, like, it just shows where, I mean, listen, that's a whole other pot. But you know what I mean? It's like, it just shows where this is all going. But at the end of the day, it's these restaurants, these home, you know, mom and pop restaurants that we all want to support. And it's... Now, so I actually, right when this happened, I heard Chef Christy Brown on a live that she did with the GSBA talking about just starting out and then having to lay off all of her employees and like just the heartache in her voice. 
And I just, and I, and I had not heard from her, heard of her until that moment. And I was like, oh, now I want to support her. And now I can't. And now this is where we bring in the Seattle community kitchen. And I would love for, from your voices, if you could explain to the listeners what exactly that is for people that might not know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're not trying to talk over each other right now. Yeah, yeah I was waiting for her to start. I appreciate that. No, I, I think, uh, uh, like you said in the intro, um, you know, these are all folks that uh, there's really a backstory even before this moment. Um, these are all folks who in in their own pockets uh, and, you know, we've all overlapped. You know, a lot of us come from uh, pop up farmers market small scale underground dinner type things, you know, from, um, from chef Tark, uh, to Christy, like you said, and, and definitely Mel and then ourselves too. Um, we've been in each other's kitchens at these pop-ups, uh, and it's all been very community based, right? Like very much located in, in, in our neighborhoods, uh, in the CD South end, um, and, uh, in Chinatown ID. So, it, it made sense in this moment um, before it was coordinated. I think all of us um, individually already, we kind of had this energy of like, you know what, uh, let's definitely try to figure out what we're going to do uh, economically to survive. But um, let's go back to where it all started for, for us, you know, which is feeding right. uh, our community. Uh, and I, I, I know, um, uh, Chef uh, Mel's model was was very inspirational and, and showed the feasibility. We're like, all right, uh, our kitchen hadn't reopened yet, but we we're like, yo, this is this is dope. Um, Shara uh, kind of crafted our version of it. Uh, saw the need for more uh, breakfast foods, uh, filling in uh, a niche amongst the collective um, that we could focus on. Uh, and uh, Shara is actually the one that's kind of um, you know, forging the the links uh, and, and is sitting, you know, in, in all the meetings and everything. And I'm, you know, I'm playing the supportive role from within Hood Famous. Uh, but yeah, I'd say about two, this is what, week three of our part four. week four. Yeah, I just got reminded I did oh, a drop goodness. off this morning to Harbor View. They're like, hey, it's been about a month. It's been a month. And I oh, said, man. oh my God. Really- oh. Literally, it was like the fourth drop off. Cause we do once a week at Harbor view and you know um, I have to say like you, when you said, you know, when you heard Christy talk, it like got me kind of riled up because that was probably, that was the hardest week. Right. And um, I tear it- up when I, I, I agree with you. And that's why when you're tearing up, like I saw posts from you, I saw posts from Osiris that was, like she, I, I was, when I worked at Creative Live, she was my main caterer and, and then watching her crumble and say, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do. And then the next day she was on the internet, like feeding, you yeah. know, 200 people out of the back of her car. And I was just like sobbing because I was like, why aren't like, why aren't any of these families like being seen for what they're fucking doing and being helped first? Like, fuck these other large, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so ass backwards to me. You are 
like you're still feeding these people in the midst of like not even giving yourself self-care like that's just when I said golden hearted, I don't think it really came off as you understood, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Gola's Kitchen, Osiris, I mean, you were all Seattle small, you know, it's, we all are connected and um, especially the food world. And, you know, we, I don't, I came from education. And so when I entered the hospitality industry, I, these are like the, kindest hearted people you know and the hardest working hardest working you know when you think about you know the I thought my job was hard right like in in different jobs are hard in different ways but it's like it's physically draining it's emotionally it's but it's like the love that people have to like feed people is so real and um you know it was that, that week uh, when we decided to close our dining room, you know, we had extra inventory just like every restaurant. And I, mean, I just remember packing up. It was like we had like 400 cheesecakes. And I was like, this is all going to Musong, right? Like mm-hmm. um, Mel already had the community kitchen going. And um, it was this weird timing, too, because I'm like out in front. I've got all of our inventory that I took out and packed up from our walk-in. Like just that week's quiches, the cheesecake, like that, just whatever I knew that we couldn't, uh, we needed to give to people that needed to eat. And, you know, it's dessert. It's just like, I felt like if at least it was coupled with like a hearty meal, then it's just that that extra, you know, Mm -hmm. like hopefully give somebody a little bit of sweetness at the end of their meal. And um, I was waiting outside of Musong to deliver it. And then just like randomly, I didn't know, but Christy shows up. Tarek's there, Dame's there, um, Chris, uh, Chrissy, um, and it's the universe right there. Yeah. And no, like I had no idea that they were going to be there. And, you know, I'm just like, here I am. I'm just like trying to drop off food and then do the next thing. And then we ended up, um, just like hanging out. And I feel like that's, that was like the moment where everyone just literally like we needed each other. And since then, it's been, you know, amazing because we have been meeting once a week and it's the meeting I look forward to every week, uh, every weekend. And we just share a meal together and we talk about this collective and not just what we need to do right now, but how can this be something that we can sustain, right? And and beyond COVID. Because this is, the you know, the issues of food security didn't just start with COVID. It's been, it's been here. It's, it's, you know, amplified now and it's not going to go away, unfortunately. So. Well, and um, we've only seen, I mean, we, we were hit with the tidal wave, but the aftershocks of this, we have not even seen yet. Like the economy, the, what comes back, what doesn't Ryan and I were talking, we, we have a list of, of takeout, like that's walking distance or trying to use our car less and all of that. And trying to not use the delivery services because we know they take money from the companies. And, you know, we, we were try- we trying to try places we've never tried. And we had eaten at Jerk Shack and we were so excited, so freaking good. And then they got looted and they got broken mm-hmm. into and they closed. And we were just like, Ryan's like, that makes me so sad. Every time I hear one, it's just like, it's 
a stab in the heart, especially me coming from a, you know, restaurant family. I'm just like, oh, I know what he put into that. And it's just heartbreaking. But I love that you all are coming together for each other. And I love that social media right now is the only thing we all have to connect to each other, which is asinine because before we were all like off, let's stay off it. Um, but people are bringing other other businesses and people to the table and I and like calling them out. And I, I'm not a huge fan of call out culture, but right now I am because I feel like it's time, especially in the restaurant world and I'm watching it happen and I'm just kind of here for it because I'm like, yes, like, let's call them out, make them give back those loans. Like whatever needs to happen, like, especially in this city where we are, like you said, such a small community, we need to help hold each other accountable, like period. So you, but you guys always keep a very grace and classy edge of that. I I'm a little bit of a hothead, but um, (laughs) you've kept it classy on that end. So I appreciate it, but still, (laughs) No, but definitely. You? It's it, it, we got to be critical, and I think we've. We're, I'm glad that we're in it at this point in our lives. Uh, I think if we would have jumped into this industry um, when we were like you know peak, uncompromising. This is what we believe in. We're going to push through. Uh, definitely would have rolled over. Um, Probably, you know, a lot of folks who who we've we could have learned from. Um, not that we always agreed with with everything, and and part of why we jumped into the industry was definitely to kind of do our version of it, to to do something different from what we've seen, to kind of challenge some of the things that we saw out there, uh, while honoring the things that that we like uh, about it and, and what it, what food and hospitality does, um, but. I think you could do both. You could always, you know, you know, you you, you call out and call in. You you could do yes. they're not mutually exclusive, mm-hmm. um, and we're ready for that. And then we're also open to all the criticism too. You know, I, I think we're in a better place too. That, uh, you know, this this industry will humble you, and there's at no point is is there time to feel like you know we. We're doing everything right. We're accomplishing everything. It's like, nah, <laughs> every day is like, what can we do better? Uh, what feedback are we going to get today from someone who's potentially angry or upset? And every day. Every, you know. Really? Really? <laughs> but, you know, it's even even that, like, I, I do both. I Like, let's say, like, a bad Yelp review or, like, an angry email about, um, you know, something didn't come in on time or, or a product that wasn't up to quality. Uh, just you know, send, I mean, them send them to me. Send them to me. I'm even like four or five years ago. I would I would have like lumped them all together and be like bad energy. Let's keep pushing. Let me tell you. Um, but uh, I think uh, you know it, clearly if if it's like bad energy, it's like yo, this person can't be helped. But I think even in even in some of the the um, the, the displeasure out there is an opportunity to communicate, to educate, to refine our logistics, refine our hospitality. Um, And now more than ever, you know? Yeah. I just, I did an interview a few days ago with chef Eric Rivera of 
Otto, and he uh, he had a lot to say, and there were just woo some bridges. Like he was just like light him on fire, like he did not care. But you know what? He called out uh, David Chang, and then David Chang called him up and said, "What am I not doing? Let's talk." Yeah. And he said, like, you need, like, you are a leader in this community. You need to be feeding people. Why are you not? And David Chang, like, stepped back and apologized and went on a podcast and was like, I, a Seattle chef called me out and he was right. And, like, it was, like, that. it's that kind of communication. Like you said, call him out, but call him in. Like, let's mm-hmm. work together. Because I think right now, like, there are communities that are the the salt of the earth, like in Seattle, the ID, like, that area of town i've born and raised here and i've been going to the id since i was two like and watching that community suffer is heartbreaking it's more heartbreaking than any of these big box restaurants never coming back like i want to know what like how is the community doing i know there was a huge surge in the beginning of people saying go eat there support like but how big was the surge did it help are are they hurting still? Like, is that community need more help? Like, yeah, I, I mean, it's hard because, you know, it's like, there's everyone, everyone needs help right now mm-hmm. at varying degrees, especially if you're a small business, like, like our size or, you know, around our size, smaller. And, um, and, the CID, what's, I think what's different about the CID is that it was probably the first district like neighborhood hit because there were already people in what January, like February that weren't coming because they thought that they could get COVID by eating Chinese food. And so when you think about how people were starting to get hit when dining rooms closed in March, like the CID restaurants had already been feeling that, you know, month and a half, two months prior. And so then you take, you know, that length of time and just the loss in revenue. It's, you know, it's, I am there in the district every day and it is so quiet. It's just, it, it feels eerie. Um, one of the things that I keep thinking about though, is this, um, and, you know, you see like different posts on like Facebook and IG and, and one of the things that I love is a lot of these family restaurants, it isn't the ones that have been around in the, in the CID for a really long time for generations. Like this isn't their first rodeo, right? Per se like this, like they've, they've dealt with lots of different kinds of, um, nothing to this scale, but, um, the seeing like their families come together, right? It's mm-hmm. like the aunties there, the kids, the, you know, cousins, like it's a family affair. And like everyone is in that restaurant cooking, cleaning, delivering. And um, and I think about, you know, the histories of these restaurants being, you know, immigrant families, like some of them being refugees and this, this fighting spirit that I think you, you just come from, from having gone through an immigrant experience or, you know, freaking being a refugee. It's just like, that's already embedded in there. And I see that, that spirit just so like, it's just loud and clear. Right. And in the, in the businesses, like they're not, 
they're not going down without a fight. And you could see like the whole family like coming together. And then, you know, and then unfortunately there's just, there's also lots of restaurants that have just closed their doors already too. Um, so it's interesting. I've just been thinking a lot about that in, in specifically within our district because right. of our, like our backstories being immigrants. Right. Um, how and- how many years and how many generations you fought to get that space and to get that mm-hmm. restaurant and to, you know, earn enough money to build that kitchen. And like all of that is, you know, to some large person with a white heterosexual male fucking, you know, bank loan, whatever that, you know, 25 K kitchen is nothing, but to the family that, you know, came over, you know, generations to build it and come here and, you know, all of that. Yes. They're going to fight a lot harder for it. I think that that's a lovely, I think that's a lovely silver lining is that they're not going to their accountants and wondering about their investments right now and like crying about it. They're putting their hands right in it all and working with everybody. And that's something I've noticed with all of these minority POC small businesses that they are working next to their employees, the owners, they are hustling, they are working hard, they are not bossing people around, like they are working in the trenches with everybody else and it's how everybody should fucking work. And it's just, it. it's almost like I feel like we're, we're resurging, the silver lining is we are seeing the businesses that we wanna give our money to, hmm. that yeah. we should be giving our money to now. And that's been prior to COVID. I mean, you go into, you know, whatever restaurant in the CID, the owner is has an apron on, you know, like G- Gio and I, like, you know, that's something that whether, you know, it's, it, it, it comes from the way that your business starts, right? And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's lovely to like see that, you know, the, you know, people coming together, but I, I want to point out like, yeah, these owners in these restaurants, they are in the, they have been in the trenches. They do work alongside their employees. Right. And, and I think that's why people feel so, um, you know, so passionate about wanting to make sure that these businesses survive because, you know, if they close down, like seeing those kinds of restaurants, you know, like it's, 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 it's going to lose a little soul in our city. Like if, if yeah. those, you know, those restaurants are gone. Yeah. Well, and our city is already kind of, you know, trying to be washed out by so much of that anyways, that so many of us are trying to hang on to it. And there's a lot of people that don't know how. And I think that, you know, just to kind of round out this dis- part of the discussion is, are there any resources for these small businesses for like, you know, people like Christy Brown that are caterers or that are just personal chefs or, you know, what, what resources are people specifically in the food and kind of hospitality industry that maybe people don't know about? Like when you were talking about the nonprofit, um, like lenders, it sounds like they had to feel around blindly by themselves in the beginning. So what are, I'm, I'm sure that there are other people like that in other situations where people don't think that they have the right resources. Are you getting your resources somewhere or is there a certain place where you feel like is, is not being seen by everybody as far as resources for people? Um, 
I know in our neighborhood that there's the CID um, Small Business Relief Fund that's, that, that started, came from the community. Um, uh, Skipta is leading the charge, I believe. And so they've been able to give small grants specifically to small businesses in the district. Um, that's a, a great way. Like if people are looking for ways to donate, um, yes. that relief fund's amazing just cause it's specifically going to that community. Um, and if you want to see, you know, CID restaurants, uh, kind of get through this, then, um, that's one way to help. Um, there's, you know, the, I feel like as far as resources go there, they are kind of all over the place. And, and right. I think that um, I haven't found one like central location. Um, uh, we're a part of Seattle Restaurants United. Um, and so are some other folks in, in the collective. Uh, they've been really trying to support also um, the restaurant industry and getting information out there and, and also try to lobby um, so that there is uh, a focus and just advocating for small restaurants. Um, and then I, you know, I have to say like, we've, I felt just really lucky and grateful that we have amazing friends and community. I, you know, we'll get a random text, be like, Hey, have you seen this? Or it's, it's those little things that add up. And, um, you know, I think when I think about just the power of community, that's, it's those little things. Sometimes it's not always about the big stuff, but it's right. it's the little moments when somebody's thinking about you and they see something that, you know, maybe you've seen it five times already that day, but you're just like right. being thought of. And right. those are, that's been really powerful too. Yeah. I want to echo yeah. that because it's, it's been incredible. It's almost overwhelming sometimes where I'll get like, same with Shara, like a homie or a homie of a homie, a text thread about like, hey, here's a list of resources. Oh, here, here's something that popped up on my feed. Maybe you should take a look at it. And it'll be like this, the fourth or fifth time I've gotten it that day, you know. Um, but I think what it is, is when I'm also then talking with other folks in the industry who, who've been in it for a long time, uh, who are great people, but, you know, their, their path in the industry was just straight up in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, there's like a wake up call, I think, for, for folks who, oh, sorry about that. That's a right. more Roblox time. Um, <laughs> we are all uh, parents here, so I can appreciate that so much. <laughs> but I was gonna, I was gonna say, um, I think it's, it's kind of a, a wake up call for the industry, for folks in, in the industry that, you know, and then in times of crisis, if I'm seeing folks who, have spent time cultivating relationships in other parts of the community than just within the bubble of your own industry. Right. Um, this is where the resource sharing comes from. Like these are people who aren't in the industry who we've cultivated relationships for years who are hitting us up, people who work for the city, people who know somebody who works for the city, people who know somebody who knows who has an in uh, to right. this person who who knows someone right. in DC who can who can get answers on a federal level, uh, you or even like all the community organizing that we've done over the years with people who then fifteen years ago were in the community who are now Congress people, <laughs> you know. Like, I love that. It's 
I, something that I hope more folks in our industry value is that let's take care of each other, but expand what each other means. You know, each other isn't just the next, you know, chef and bartender and right. and whatnot. It's it's an entire community uh, that, in, that includes us in an ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, I think that harkens back to the the music days with, with all of our families and, you know, the cross networking is priceless and it's really invaluable as far as like somebody knows somebody that knows somebody, like we all just have to communicate and open our minds on that level. Um, that whatever fifth generation, whatever to separations of Kevin Bacon. I don't remember. I'm too old, (laughs) but, um, Okay, I want to do these lightning round questions as we end, just to humanize this a little bit and let people hear about you um, mm. as people. I I want to know what your favorite swear word is. I don't know if I have a favorite, but I say shit a lot. Do you? <laughs> yeah, shit and fuck. Shit and fuck. Shit, shit stop being a swear word like in 2010. <laughs> he always, he's always doing that to me. <laughs> Like you're so shit is a very chef. Shit is a very chef thing though, because it's like a little mistake. It's like shit. Yeah, shit. Like it's a it's a very yeah. chef thing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, grab that shit on a shelf and then you do this shit. Right. And you shit right. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, mine is uh is ukininam. I almost Tell me more. It's oh gosh. It's uh both my parents are Ilocano, um, which is a uh, it's they're Filipino, but Philippines has many different ethnic sub ethnicities, uh, and it's a they speak a very harsh language. Sounds like they're yelling at each other even when they're not. But ukininam is a special kind of curse word. I think it um, colloquially is like a your like motherfucker or whatever, um, or fuck you in English. But that's not what it actually means if you literally translate it. Um, it's, it literally means, um, your mother's vagina. Perfect. I love that. I, cool. I'm going to ask, I'm going (laughs) to, I want that one. Cool. (laughs) Perfect. That's, we can just end there actually. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. So self-care tool right now, as far as are you reading any books? Do you listen to music when you're working? Is there a movie that is like the one that you've watched 50 times? Okay. I Not all three, just any. Yeah. I'm being very honest with you right now. Yeah. Um, and this is like a little snippet of what I do when I bake. So like this morning I was in, it was like 4.30 in the morning and I was <laughs> listening to this audiobook. And it is the ultimate guide to retirement, but for 50 plus <laughs> by Suze Orman. And she's like, she reads I'm the book on her it. own. And, and it, she's actually, it's a, it's really annoying to listen to it, but <laughs> I have been just thinking, you know, we're 40 and uh, I don't know. It's been interesting. You're like, I'm, I'm ready to retire. COVID got do. you ready to retire. COVID is like you're like I'm I'm done early. This is I just geek out about like just wanting to understand all this like all this shit that I like was not taught before. And so I learned about 
different eras and like how that is the most phrase and it was really you, cool you could have asked me what i thought you were gonna say and nothing i would have never guessed that <laughs> ever in a million years that's amazing i'm so impressed but i'm also like it's a, I, I know, it's a weird thing, but I was just like, okay, you're asking me what I'm reading right now. And that is I love what that. I was listening to this morning. That's amazing. What about you, Gio? Um, I'm, I have so many books that have bookmarks stuck on like page 30 and 40 that I'm taking, <laughs> I'm Same. taking time to, um, actually get to page 50 and 60 on some of these. So right now I actually have uh, this book, which is gifted to me from the homie Ab. Um, he's, he saw me reading another Teju Cole book, but this is a collection of his essays over the last like five, six years. Um, oh, I made it to, uh, oh no, I, I skipped a few cause it's all essays. So like <laughs> I made it to page 90. Um, but I think that those are my favorite things right now is uh, okay. folks who are writing creatively, um, you know, social commentary type stuff, but within the creative realm. Yeah, we all have hit 40, haven't we, with our answers. That's very clear. Like, I'm, I'm, same. I'm like, I'm listening to. Yeah, it's funny. No, it's good. It's just we're we're focusing on different things. I get it. Um, okay, so I want to know a few influential people who have inspired you to be who you are today that are not white, cis, straight men. I always get tripped up about this question because I've, oh, I feel like my inspiration comes from not just like one or two. It's been all these amazing people that we've had an opportunity to meet and there's always something that I see in one person and I'm like, God, that's freaking inspiring. Like I, or like something that you want to emulate and, you know, and so, um, obviously like I, the first person obviously came to mind is my mom. Um, mm. I love her to death and, um, she's just super, that's, I feel like that's where I get my work ethic from and just, she's so caring and, um, and I think about her a lot right now because she's a nurse and kind of in, in that world. And, um, but, you know, I, what's been coming to mind lately is just uh, in my early 20s, we met a lot of, um, I met a lot of artists through Isang Mahal. You remember Isang Mahal? Yes, of course. And um, to me, that was such a inspiring time in my life where I just, I saw, met, built relationships with so many other amazing artists, poets, and to see where they're at today. And um, and I've been thinking about them a lot just because I've been needing, I haven't been creative like in a really long time, but um, I was listening to Hollis Does Brunch, our mutual friend Hollis Does Hollis yes. Does Brunch. And, um, and she had Jamila Woods on last Sunday and they were just reading poetry and they weren't reading their own poetry. They were reading other people's poetry. And I just started to cry. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I need to write some poems again. Yeah, you do. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Geo, so, yep. The yep. choir. Yeah. Hey, I was going to say something similar. I've been, um, well, probably because I actually got an email from, from Bao Fee. Oh, um, no. 
who I haven't heard in, in a while, but will always be uh, my big bro. Actually, he's not that much older than me. Um, but a uh, Vietnamese American poet from Minneapolis um, who was part of this wave of, I, I really can't limit it to three, but uh, he's definitely one. Um, and folks like uh, Anita Ali, who uh, is part of I Was Born With Two Tongues. Actually, that whole crew, um, Marlon, Dennis, Emily, uh, and then, of course, all our local family, Sama Hall. I, I was thinking about it, <clears throat> and yeah, Shara saw my answer, but... We I was, didn't talk prior <laughs> to this, too. <laughs> no, I, I think partially because we're just in this moment of reflection. Uh, we both turned 40 this year. I'm back-to-back days, back in February. Uh, just been, so even before this whole lockdown, just been in reflection mode, like, how do we get here? And... There's many paths, you know, there's a whole music path that, that, that we've all crossed paths in and remains part of the community that we're, we're all part of. Um, but on a, on a personal note, it really was a lot of these personalities, these uh, beautiful human beings um, from that era of both awakening uh, identity-wise, but on a deeper level, politically and on a deeper level, just human creativity and beauty and and just ex- expressing yourselves and connecting with other people. Um, so yeah, that's my answer. Did I say, I said bow. Yeah, you had a good, yeah, it was a good, it was a good list. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I feel like we're all, you know, we're from, it's funny, but I, I hearken back to, you know, where we all met and this, the, the hip hop scene in Seattle of that time. And I, and I'm trying, I try to keep my pulse. I'm 45 now. I try to keep my pulse on what the children are listening to now, but I can't like, <laughs> I have no idea. And it's but hard. like the community now, the community, like the hip hop, it's just not the same. And I'm like, we what we were part of, I don't think we realized in the moment how special it was. And now looking back, we were all part of something so special that was happening in this city at that time. Mm-hmm. A part, like you said, an awakening, but also like a, a level of depth that we all didn't really realize what we were getting ourselves into. And it was so great because now as adults, we're kind of looking back and welcome to your 40s, by the way, because 40s are incredible. They're really <laughs> great. They're not scary. They're really great. They're really great. It's like a time for like self, like these poems. I feel it for you. It's coming back. It's happening. So bring yeah. them back. Okay, okay, so your last question is, if you could have lunch with your younger self, what would you tell them? And more importantly, what would you eat? You go first. Ah. <laughs> All right. Um, I would tell them uh, how young. How old would you be? Yeah, well, you can, be, you can pick any age. All right. I think I would pick the 19 to 20-year-old me. Uh, mm-hmm. who was just coming into this very, the the community I was talking that we're talking about. This is like the, yeah. the music, the poetry, the, the creative community here. And I would tell that person, um, because I, I, I'm I, just like I was saying, I was reflecting on, on that era and, and how much it's shaped who I am today. 
I was also reflecting on the fact that there were part of the energy that I remember having then was feeling like we're on the verge of something like I was already looking to the future back then. Um, and of course, the old guy would go back and tell that person and be like, fuck all that. Like this moment is going to end um, and it's going to end quickly. And you need to just be present for that two, three, four years. Um, and all, where where you even have the energy to like sleep for two hours a night for months on end uh, and not worry about what's happening next year or the year after. Um, so I would say that I would, I'd, you know, kind of like, I think I try to practice it back then, a younger me, that whole like be present in the moment. But I think it would definitely take an actual encounter with my older self to read. You were better at it than the rest of us, but I agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was also a big pothead back then, too. So that probably like, <laughs> didn't help um, with the being present part. Uh, but as, as much as I could, I, I told him that. And I would eat, um, you know, a bunch of food that I love now that. I know for sure I didn't love then and just speed up the process. Things like yes. uh, bitter melon. I love that answer. Yeah. I it's love like, that answer. Like, hey man, don't, don't be the person that this you're like, you're going to regret not having dove into this good shit. Um, don't wait until you're like 32 <laughs> to love this shit. I love it now. <laughs> I love that. And what about you, Shara? Oh man, the age range that I was thinking, it was a similar, like early twenties. Um, I think I would tell my early 20 self to not just to ease up. And like, um, I think I was always wanting everything to be so linear and I, that's just kind of my personality too. It's very step-by-step step and, um, and oh, similarly, like thinking about like how, what am I doing now? Like, I'm fucking reading something that was written for 50 plus year olds. Like this tells me my personality. Um, I can't like my brains for whatever reason can't like just stay put. It's always like thinking a decade ahead. So um, yeah, I think I would say something, you know, similarly, um, just just ease up have have a lot more I think I had a lot of fun but I was just like have more fun um mm. you know I was a young mom too and so I think like um you know we both were right yeah, so, yeah I was a young mom too <laughs> I'm talking you to <laughs> and so um you know I just feel like there's there's some moments where I just feel like you know I I definitely had to I had a lot more responsibilities, I think, than um, maybe I was ready for uh, in my early 20s. But um, mm -hmm. but even with that, like, just to not strive for perfection all the time. So just yeah. that's the first thing. I'm just rambling right now. I don't know. But that's just easing up and having fun and living the moment. Very similar to what he said. But um, And I would eat. I would be eating oysters. Ooh. Game with that. I love that. <laughs> raw, that's raw. Yes. Mm. I love that. I love well, I'm I'm very grateful that 
you took the time to be part of this and to show people everything that you're doing and what the, how the community can help. How can they find you online? I know that they can donate, but tell them exactly where they can donate to the certain causes and, and the community kitchens, but also how they can find you. Cause I know you're doing takeout again, which I'm so excited to get my pastry box. Like I'm really excited to do that again. I was so upset. I went online to order one and then you guys had run out for a week or something. And I was like, Oh, my timing is horrible. So tell us how we can find you. Uh, definitely online. We did start delivery. So hoodfamousbakeshop.com. Um, we are shipping certain items, cookies, um, some merch, and then coffee. And then um, if you're in certain parts of the delivery zone, we will deliver, it might be me, straight to your door. Um, and then <laughs> Wednesdays and Fridays, we're delivering some of our, our cheesecake and, and other baked goods. Um, and then the Seattle Community Kitchen Collective, uh, we actually will um, be hopefully pretty soon launching um, a, just a website with a tax deductible donation. And so look out for that from any of the businesses that are participating. We'll be blasting that on IG probably pretty soon. Um, but definitely supporting the, you know, the supporting Musong. Um, that mm -hmm. Brown Girl Cooks, uh, Feed the People, Gorilla Kitchen, Sugar Hill. Um, everyone's doing um, amazing work. Um, and then again, the, if you want to support the CID, there is that CID Relief Fund. Yes. Um, so um, def I'll, I think if it's not, it will be a link on our website as well. So. Perfect. And I'll have all those links when, when we air this too. So it'll be perfect. Thank you both so much. I can't believe how big Ajani is in the background. I'm oh, there he is. He's like, we can't go by. We can't go an hour. We will teenagers. Most teenagers. What he's bringing down. Ajani, I've known you since you were two. You better get back. Is that Nutella? Yes. Nice job. Nice choices. I approve. Yeah, right before dinner too. Yeah. I didn't know how he did. But you know what? He'll probably eat that too, right? The amount that. Well, I'll just never forget that photo. Was it at Rainier Beach? It was at Rainier Beach Community Center. Who had the clothing line? What clothing line was it that we were? Uh, Sedwick and Cedar Clothing. <laughs> They were just, they were fitted and doing this, this fashion show. And they had a Johnny by the hand. He was just this little tiny thing. And it was, it's the cutest thing. And now he's huge and Maddie's tiny. And it's just the weirdest thing. Thank you again. And we're sending all of our love to your family, to the restaurant, everything. And I'm excited to order some cheesecake. That's all I can say. And I love you guys. Thank you for doing this. Much love. Thanks for joining us for this conversation as part of our Face to Faces series. We hope you'll join and support the Faces of Fortitude community on Instagram at Faces of Fortitude, on Facebook at Faces of Fortitude Portraits, and on Twitter as myself, Mary Angela Abeo. If you'd like to become a face in the project or join me in conversation on the podcast, or maybe you have an idea for a topic we should explore or a person we should interview, please contact us at booking 
at facesoffortitude.com. And until next time, please have extra patience and kindness for yourself and others.